0: Not too many years ago, back in the time before COVID, if you can still remember that, what I call BC, back in the BC years, if you were to ask me what our most immediate challenge was to our ministry out on campus with the college students, I would have said space, Space, because we just physically did not have the space to hold all of the students that were coming to Mass on Sunday and coming to our events during the week. We were a growing ministry and we had run out of space to grow into. COVID changed that a little bit, but we're bounding back now. So soon that will be another problem we have to address, and it's a problem that I welcome. Some of you might remember several years back, our diocese held a capital campaign called Forward in Faith, Hope, and Love, and it was a very successful capital campaign. And part of the money that was raised by the diocese was earmarked to uh, improve the campus ministry facilities that our diocese owns, including the one here at WCU. So when we sat down with diocesan officials to talk about our Facility needs and the best way to spend that that money that had been raised You know I said we need more space. We need a bigger facility and so what do you do when you contemplate a major project like that? You know we sat down and we figured out okay Well, what would it cost to just level the building that we have now an old 1960s? residential home that we've been operating out of What would it cost to just level that and build a brand new chapel and a brand new ministry center that wouldn't just be big enough for our needs now, but big enough that we could grow into in the years to come? And the figure that we came up with was about $7 million. Now, we did not have $7 million. We had significantly less than $7 million So we said, okay, well, that's, we'll put that on the shelf for a little while. And we said, well, what's the best way that we can spend the resources that we do have? And so we focused on things to make our facility as nice as we could. We got a new roof. We put in central air and heat. We updated our kitchen, and we completely renovated the interior of our chapel to make it a more beautiful place to worship God. So my point in telling you all of this is just to illustrate the reality, the very practical reality of what our Lord is talking about in the gospel today. Before you commit to any major undertaking, whether it's a building project or anything else, you've got to figure out what's this going to cost me? What is this going to cost and can I afford it? Do I have what it takes to bring this to completion? Now, When Jesus says, which of you wishing to construct a tower doesn't sit down first and calculate the cost, he's not really talking about building a tower. He's illustrating a point about Christian discipleship. Do you have what it takes to be a Christian disciple? Have you thought about what this is going to cost you? Because being a disciple is a major undertaking. It's not just about coming to church on Sunday. It's a 24-7 commitment it's about taking up your cross and following christ every single day of your life and when jesus says take up your cross remember the cross for us today is a symbol of christianity but when jesus was speaking this was before his passion and resurrection the people who heard him say that knew the cross for only one thing and it was for executions so he says take up your cross daily And follow me in all of your actions, in all of your decisions, in all of your relationships. That's what it means to be a disciple. And have we thought about what that will cost us? Now, it would be very easy for me to stand up here and say that the cost of Christian discipleship is everything. And I mean everything. Jesus says, Not just that we should be willing to give up our material goods, but everything that's most precious to us, including our parents, our siblings, our spouses, and our children, and even our own life. That's what it means to carry your cross, to die to self so that we might rise with Christ so I could just say that, that that's what it takes give up everything to follow Christ and I can go sit down and we can get on with the offertory right and maybe the Holy Spirit will open someone's heart and mind here to give themselves to Christ with a radical vocation a radical embracing of holy poverty like Saint Francis maybe that would be wonderful but I'm just being practical here, and realistic, and I think most of us, myself included, would hear that and say, well that sounds nice, in theory, but I've got bills to pay, right? I've got a family, I've got a wife and kids, you know, so I, I need to have a job, I need to have a house, I need to have an income, I need to have a car, I need all of these things. Jesus doesn't want me to abandon my responsibilities. And you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. Not everyone is called to a life of radical poverty, though some are. But that said, that doesn't mean that what Jesus is saying in the gospel doesn't apply to each and every one of us. How so? Well, let's do a little bit of an exercise here. So I imagine that you, you want to build not a tower. Most of us probably don't know what it goes what goes into building a tower. Imagine you want to build a tool shed in your backyard. Okay, what's it going to take to build that tool shed? Think about it. You need some lumber. How big do you want your tool shed to be? Calculate out how much lumber you need to buy. You can go to Lowe's, figure out how much that's going to cost. You need a certain amount of nails and screws. Figure out how many of those you need, what that's going to cost. Your shed needs to sit on something. So decide what kind of foundation you want. You want cinder blocks? You want poured concrete? How much is that going to cost you? You need a roof on your shed. So what are you going to use? A tin roof? You're going to use shingles? Work out that math. Figure out how much that's going to cost. Add all of that together. That's the cost of your tool shed. That's how you calculate the cost. Okay. Now let's do another mental exercise. How much does it cost to get to heaven? Hmm. That's a different kind of question, isn't it? How do you calculate how much it costs to get to heaven. You can't buy a ticket, right? You can't build a tower tall enough to get you there. You can't buy your way into heaven. So how do you begin to calculate the cost? Even if you said, it's going to take everything, everything I have, it costs everything to get to heaven. It's still a wrong answer because you can't buy your way there. So if everything that we have is not enough to get to heaven, when we're trying to calculate the cost of heaven, we're led to conclude none of us can afford it. None of us can afford it. And that's a problem, because attaining heaven ought to be the goal of our lives, not building towers or tool sheds. You can't purchase heaven. And here's the reason why. It's because heaven is friendship with God, and you can't buy friendship. Heaven is the love of God, and you can't buy love. But love can be given, and love can be received. In fact, that's why we call God's love grace, because grace means gift. And that's why we say you need God's grace to get to heaven, because it's a gift. And just like love, heaven can't be bought, but it can be received as a gift. So, what does that mean in terms of calculating the cost? Well, even though I just said you can't purchase love, that doesn't mean that love doesn't cost you. As anyone here who has ever loved someone can attest, love does cost you because love means giving yourself. Love is self-gift. And the more deeply you love, the more fully you love someone, the more that it costs you, because you're giving yourself more and more to that person. And total love, complete love, means giving yourself completely. So why would anyone do that? Why would anyone do that, if love costs you your very self? Well, it's because love isn't just about giving, it's also about receiving. When you invest yourself in a friendship, you gain a friend. When a husband devotes himself to his wife, he's able to receive her devotion more fully. And when you give your life to God, you receive God's life in return. And so this is the meaning of the paradox expressed by Jesus when he says that anyone who wants to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life will find it. Jesus is very clear in our gospel today. Discipleship does cost everything. It's because discipleship is about love and devotion and fidelity to God. Because heaven is about love and devotion and fidelity to God. And if we don't begin to practice that here and now, we won't be ready for it then. And that's the true cost of discipleship. It will cost you your life. Sometimes physically, like with the martyrs, but always spiritually. It will cost you your life. And before we conclude that we can't afford that high price of discipleship, I want us to consider this last detail. You're going to lose everything one way or another. You're going to lose everything one way or another. Not to turn morbid on you here at the end, but there will come a day there will come a day when you will leave all of your possessions behind. You know The ancient kings and pharaohs, they thought that they could take it with them, so they buried themselves with all of their wealth and finery. You know, But archaeologists opened up their tombs. Guess what? It's still there. You can't take it with you. You'll say goodbye to all the towers and tool sheds that you've built, all the buildings you've constructed. You'll say goodbye to all the battles that you've won. And yes... You'll say goodbye to father and mother and siblings and spouse and children. One day, sooner or later, all these things will be taken from you. This is not a choice that you have. None of us get to say in that. It's just a fact of life. This is all temporary. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we face that reality head-on, and we don't live life pretending like this is all permanent. We don't invest ourselves in these things that will decay. We love them for what they are. We take care of them. We use the good things in this world well, the way that God intended us. But don't think that they will save you. Don't tie your hopes to them. The word that describes what I'm talking about here is detachment, detachment. Christians are to have an attitude of detachment towards the things of this world, our possessions, even our relationships. And that doesn't mean not caring about these things, but it means that we don't locate our hope in these things, that we don't look to anything that can be taken away from us as the source of our peace and of our joy, that we understand that the good things of this world, even the best things of this world, are just gifts that are meant to point us towards the goodness of the giver. And so we don't cling to them so tightly that we're not willing to part from them, to let them go when that final day comes and God calls us on to something greater. The cost of discipleship might feel like you're giving up everything. But in fact, you're giving up nothing. Because as you take up your cross and walk in that path of Jesus, what you realize is that it all belongs to Him anyway. All your goods, all your possessions, your attachments, your life, your soul, it all belongs to Him. Discipleship means living in the light of that reality instead of in this fiction that we imagine for ourselves where we're the gods of our own destinies. So when you realize that true cost of being Christ's disciple the only real question is how can you afford not to be?